Welcome to the Focused People Podcast, where we explore the realities of leading teams and being human. On the line today, possibly above the line, below the line, but never crossing the line, Tom McKay and Hilton Goodmans. In the absence of Kyle Gower Winter, who today is enjoying a wonderful holiday with his family. Wonderful to be with you again with the Focused People podcast. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, the topic for tonight's session slash today's session at the side of the swimming pool for Kyle <laughs> would be beliefs and the workplace. The beliefs we hold, and by that we don't mean religious beliefs, what we mean is what have you been trained to think like? What are those deeply held beliefs that you have about yourself? The mindsets and how they influence your performance, subtly or not so subtly. Those are the beliefs that we are interested in and how they affect us in the workplace. So we're going to get into conditioning and training and whether the workplace truly is a family or should even be called that or not. Let's go to Tom and ask you for your thoughts. Good evening, everybody. Uh, this is a great topic. I've been reading a lot of late about beliefs. Woohoo! Next to my bedside at the moment is that simple little book, but it's a very clever book written about beliefs who move my cheese. And yes. then I'm reading the second one and I can't remember the title I'm reading at the moment. But anyway. You gave it back? No. Oh, it was something about the maze. Out of the maze, maybe it was called. Anyway. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And, yes. you know, it really is a, a, a simple story, a metaphor about beliefs. And in it, I love that it gives a very simple version of beliefs. And it's something to the effect of it's an idea or a thought or a thing that we believe to be true whether it is or it isn't. Hmm. And that's that's a very simple uh, description of a belief, but I think it probably goes to the heart of the matter because every single human being has beliefs. It's actually impossible to be human and not have beliefs. And some of those beliefs are designed to protect you. They are very important uh, psychological slash physiologically. Um, they're very important for your own survival. And some of them are not important. And what ends up happening is that we give them huge importance and they shape our lives. And they take our lives in directions that we didn't think we would want to go. And we find ourselves at times looking and saying, how did I end up here? Wow. Yeah. And who did I become? And um, is this all there is for me? And sometimes our beliefs can lead us to dark places. And sometimes our beliefs can really make us unhappy and they can make us bitter and they can make us angry. And sometimes our beliefs can make us super successful and they can make us happy even in the face of trials and tribulations. I'm quite convinced that beliefs are um, 
amazingly influential, amazingly powerful in the outcomes of our lives. And sure. it would yeah. be remiss for us as business consultants, business mentors, not to have a real focus on, on beliefs. So good, Tom. And, and what you're saying is, if I hear you right, the, the two beliefs uh, types or categories of the important ones and the not so important. And if we get them all mixed up, it's a problem as to how things go in our lives, how well our performance matches our potential, all of these things based on which set we're actually tying ourselves into. Yeah, so I think um, if you look at beliefs, there are many ways to categorize them. You might categorize them on useful beliefs and not useful beliefs. And remember, okay. the way we categorize them is all perception driven. It's, well, who says they're one or another? Well, sure. it's the person who, the person who um, gives them that meaning, the give, person who gives them that allocation. You know, psychologists can spend their lives telling you what a belief is, but at the end of the day, it's the meaning that the person gives it and the power that the person gives it in their life. So a belief for one person uh, can be more impactful than a belief for another person. But let's say, for example, that if I believe that all people are really bad and angry and are out to get me, well, I think that's going to be a pretty negative belief for any human being. So certain beliefs, uh, you know, it's always on a, what do you call it? A continuum? A continuum. Thank you. That's exactly the word. <laughs> it's on a continuum. So you, you're going to have extremes like poles or polar opposites you know, extremely negative beliefs and extremely positive beliefs. And maybe both of those are almost impossibly good or bad. And I think people who have extremely only positive beliefs are deluded and will have psychological issues. And I think people who have extremely uh, negative beliefs will be super dangerous. So you've obviously got a continuum. And then the rest of us of humanity who fall in many of the pixels along the way. Our design is such that we must have beliefs because we must be able to look around ourselves and generalize. And okay, that is safe. That is not safe. This is good. That is not good. This feels nice. Therefore, I believe that that's good for me. So yeah. it's, a very, it's from a very simple place of survival and part of our evolutionary need to make it in a tough environment which has risks yeah. so i think that that continuum is of course a natural thing hmm. what we need to focus on really is saying for the individual is the belief you have leading you towards the life you want the effectiveness you want or is it actually getting in the way of your success and when you look at it as a team and you sit with the team and you go right well uh, what are some of the beliefs held in this group what do you believe about each other yes which beliefs mean that you don't have team cohesion what's getting in the way of the culture that you really want and if we were to believe something together that would empower us to work together what would that belief be and I think it's an immensely, immensely important thing for people who work in 
teams, uh, projects, yeah. or who pull together, that they need to find rapport and commonality. They even talk about it in things like football teams, uh, you know, soccer, yeah. where you can have an amazing player, but if he's got all the skills and doesn't know how to pass the ball at the right times or use the team, ultimately that that football team will not be successful. It takes yeah. team collectively with shared goals and appreciation yeah. of each other's strengths and all these other things. And that comes from the beginning point, which is often around a belief. You've set a, a couple of balls in motion uh, in terms of my thinking as well. And one of them in particular was the fruit of our beliefs. That it's so important to look at what is this belief actually doing in my life? If I believe that I am a chop, then, uh, sorry, it's a good way, a South African way of saying uh, an idiot <laughs> or a fool. But uh, if I believe that I don't have much potential in an area, I can't draw. To even do simple artwork in a training course where we ask to do a representation of a logo or something, we might even say, no, I can't do that. Whereas actually what got us started was 20 years ago, a bad experience that we had, perhaps, that told us we shouldn't think that way. It's going to be painful to go down that road. And we were embarrassed, perhaps. But I think the fruit of these beliefs now is such an important thing where I, I go to Theory X and Theory Y, uh, McGregor from the 50s talking about types of leadership. He was saying, if you believe that people will mess up your good plan if you give it to them, if you believe that basically they are evil and cannot be trusted, then you lead in a certain way that probably is, is a fear-filled way of leading. And chances are you don't allow them much creativity and license to reinvent. You don't tap into the innovation because what you want is compliance. And I still see some of that being worked out in the workplace. So let me stop there and ask you what you're hearing. Mm. It takes me back to the, um, I think it was Herzog who discussed hygiene factors and... Herzberg, yeah, Herzberg, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Herzberg, thank you. That's right. <laughs> who was Herzog? Well, that's another podcast for another day, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think he was the guy thank that the, the TV tower in Johannesburg was named after. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, you can see I was on the right path. <laughs> um, and he spoke about hygiene factors and he spoke about... Motivational factors. Yes, exactly right. If you want to look at most teams who are moderately effective, there will be a huge amount of hygiene factors, meaning it'll tick the box. People will arrive at 8 o'clock and leave at 5 or whatever the designated hours are. There will be uh, the right equipment and the right offices and a chair to sit on and the stationery needed and a computer and all those sort of things. Yeah. And meetings will be held. And I think that there are times when that is sufficient for success, depending on the nature of the people. And I think if you've got a lot of self-starters, people who are quite self-motivated in those environments and who happen just to collaborate, it works. And there are many who will work on, on that format. 
However, for some personalities, they need a lot more than that. And when you can have dominant personalities in that team or personalities are not well yoked, yeah. then you're going to have problems because it's going to need more than just letting it naturally happen to come together. There will be overtime conflict Absolutely. or there will be miscommunication, frustration, uh, and eventually short temperedness. And in those cases, there needs to be some empowering belief that is shared between all in that group to say, okay, guys and girls, we need, what can we all come together on? What can we all hold as true so that we can, number one, be effective and number two, be contented whilst we're doing this project or working together? And often that, that identifies those things that we have, judgments, biases that we may have had, our own personal um, biases, and then a collective slogan or saying or belief that says, okay, I am willing to mold myself. I am willing to change my behavior because the team needs me to, and because ultimately it will, it will bring me also happiness or more contentedness, more peace yeah. when I'm doing the project. And if I hear you right, the foundation for that is that we have that sense of uh, shared experience where we agree and we commit to certain things that will enable the entire team to perform well. We identify what are the beliefs that we choose to have and we choose to align ourselves with so that we, uh, we are on the same platform, that there's a platform for participation and those become belonging anchors, so to speak, that we can draw on even when the times get tough. Absolutely. I mean, we know that there is a, almost like a web between beliefs, attitudes, values, and mindsets. Yes. You know, academically, because we're trying to analyze and understand our world, we've separated them into neat boxes. The reality is not always that simple. Yeah. However, all we're saying is a belief is something you believe to be true, whether it is or isn't. And from that belief, it can be something as simple as apples are really bad for you. It can be as simple as that, which means that you can go along and you can be anywhere in the world and someone can have a salad or a stew or something. And if there's something apple in it, you're not going to eat it, even if you're really starving. And that could mean that this is a silly example, but in an extreme environment, well, that's the end of you because you, you didn't eat. Right. Um, you know, beliefs grow. They're the origin of things in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and I think a little bit like, you know, one, if, if one's addicted to cigarettes, you can give up cigarettes. But if, yeah. if for example, you're addicted to food, you are ill-advised to give up food. Mm. And so some things are actually easier to break than others. And, and I say that with respect. What I mean by that is they're healthier to break than others. For example, smoking, alcohol, drugs, things sure. that you can actually live without. But if, for example, you somebody who absolutely loves food, it's one of those challenging things to break because it's a requirement of life. And so you have to engage with that thing all the time. And in a way, 
why I've gone on that tangent is because beliefs are a little bit like that. You need the process. You can't give up creating beliefs. It's a, that would be really unhealthy. You you wouldn't be able to generalize. You wouldn't be able to pattern recognition. You wouldn't be able to decide what was good for you or bad for you. Right. So the process of causing beliefs is very important for the basis of living in a very complex world. Right. So perception comes in there where we're talking about um, we can't not have our reticular activating system filter information. We've got that part of our brain that filters information, whether we like it or not, because we can only deal with a certain amount of information consciously at a time. And so subconsciously, it filters out so much. I think of the billions of uh, bits of information, is it 40 odd that, that we're consciously aware of and possibly less than that? Uh, so forgive me if I'm getting the stats incorrect, but I know it's a minuscule amount. And obviously we need to have those filters in place. Uh, I remember Dr. Robert Sapolsky on the stress side, uh, he was talking in his book uh, about why zebras don't get ulcers. I think we spoke about it a little bit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> and, uh, and he was saying, you know, when you're out on the savannah and you're being chased by a lion, if you're a zebra, uh, it, chances are you're not thinking about uh, the next generation and ovulation at that time. <laughs> if you're a female uh, zebra. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're just thinking about surviving. Uh, you'll think about the next generation <laughs> if you survive. <laughs> and, Correct. You know, and so at that moment, it filters out anything that is not about survival. And yes. I guess the same is true with us. And uh, we'll come back to those motivational and hygiene factors a little bit later. But you were on a train there where we were just talking about what to do about this. And perhaps... If I hear you right, the layering of our beliefs and how they get formed sort of moment by moment or become these firm, difficult, concrete beliefs. Do you want to speak to that a bit? Yeah. So let's, let's look at the process of experience, what we call life. We are born and we always talk about these things like they're nouns, you know, like we've all... At one moment, we're not, then we're born, then, you know, we turn one. The reality is that life is this ongoing energy that just, you know, there's no such thing as sort of time in a way. But in the process of coming to life, we experience things from the moment we're in the womb. And ultimately, at some point, we generate feelings and those come through our filters. And when we talk about filters, we, we talk about the process of filters, and then we talk about the process of filtering. So in a way, we were talking about the reticular activating system, which is a network of almost like transmission fibers in the brain that decide what information goes actually into which parts of your brain. Very, very important. Which ones are going to be acted upon and which ones are just kind of going to be deleted and sure. so in a way what we think happens is that we that information comes in we have a sensory experience it comes through one of our five senses and it gets sent up to the brain the reticular activating system decides based on what is a very interesting question but it <laughs> decides what gets sent 
to various parts of the brain to decide upon or act upon. And in that sense, you generate thought about that experience for learning because we have to learn to survive. If you're not a responsive being, I mean, imagine that zebra just stands in the field and sees the lion coming and says, well, I'm going to try something different today. I'm just going to stand dead still. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I saw Bob, my mate over there, he died running. So I'm just going to stand dead still. Well, he can try, but you know, that's the end. <laughs> so, you know, learning is a fun, and I think very few of us would disagree that learning is absolutely fundamental to life. Yeah. So each time you then develop a learning and that learning eventually gets translated into what we call either images or particularly words that stay with us and sometimes we don't even know that we articulate to them into a sense of word understanding but it definitely stays with a feeling yes and to that feeling we have a response feels good doesn't feel good so someone steps on my toe and it doesn't feel good at this point now i know that whenever i'm around people i now adjust my behavior and if I was to say, why did you adjust your behavior? Well, because it hurts. I don't like it when people stand on my toe. Yeah. And so I develop a belief ultimately that when people, you know, I don't like people say, or oh, people can stand on my toes or whatever the story is. But let's say I'm at school yeah. and someone says to me something fairly harmless. Uh, let's say, for example, we were doing a school play and they said, well, your, your singing is not great. And chuckle, chuckle, and we kind of all move on. And before I know it, sometimes I've developed anxiety about a whole bunch of things. Or yes. someone will say something about your weight. Or can we even, and kids laugh. And before you know it, you've developed a whole bunch of other things two, three years later insecurities yeah and it started at a point where you felt hurt felt where you didn't feel nurtured or you didn't feel supported and so i think all of us can identify with some of this it's a natural process of life mm -hmm. the challenge is when those build upon each other you know that the, the straw that broke the, broke the camel's back implies that there are a whole bunch of other triggers along the way so true so your beliefs become life in themselves because they become triggers for other beliefs to attach to themselves. So now I'm, I don't just have a bit of a weight problem. I don't have a bad singing voice only now. I'm also a bit of a loser. And, you know, why would I apply, uh, try for the tennis team? I'm probably not going to win that either. And, you know, before you know it, you, you've, you've talked yourself down yeah. and, you know, so that that's kind of the process of obviously the negative side of beliefs. Alternatively, those people who really believe in themselves either have been fortunate enough to really take on positive uh, beliefs in the face of hardship, or they've had very supportive environments, yes. family, teachers, coaches. And sometimes it takes one person to uh, build a person up. It's so good, Tom. I mean, what you remind me of, uh, so if I may generalize a little bit here, I think the spread, spreading the joy is how I like to talk about it. And uh, in a positive way, sometimes when you've had a great experience, 
you can draw on that and you can pop it up into your future and use it as an anchor that takes you into the future. Like if you had a, a great singing experience and people said, wow, you're really good at that. You should do more of that. It can be something that you say, I am a good singer. Yes. And you reinforce that for yourself. And it gives you hope that in the next situation you face that now suddenly is on a stage where the other was in a room with friends around a birthday cake, uh, suddenly you think, well, maybe I can do that as well, and becomes that positive growth mindset that takes you into it. Uh, what I'm also hearing from you, there are two things that struck me. The one is that reality is really a construct, that we, we need to come to grips with the fact that what we perceive to be real is in many ways not the whole reality. Part of it may be the actual reality that had at that moment, but because we're only capturing part of it at any given stage, there are always pieces that we're missing that we can gain perspective from other people on, or that perhaps we've just deleted from that situation, if I hear you right. Uh, there's something else I wanted to add in about us accepting these things as well, that we are not powerless in a lot of these uh, situations that we've got to acknowledge that sometimes we didn't know it in the moment, but we had a choice to agree with what somebody else said about us or to resist it with our own thinking or with our past other thoughts. And we didn't know it perhaps, but we always had that option. And now that we know it, we can of course make a change and say, I don't, I don't choose to accept that belief. Or I don't choose that feedback, yeah. Fantastic, I mean, I think, for anybody listening, that is, uh, it's so powerful in, in our lives, that capacity to say that you can be at cause or you can be at effect. Cool. Most of us with our beliefs are at effect. So we're at the effect of our beliefs and we're at effect of how others uh, affected us. And we do live as social beings and we do live with our peers and we do compare ourselves and some comparison is healthy it, it spurs us on and of course because of that we're always measuring and sometimes in those environments it gets competitive and sometimes people are just unkind i mean kids are the most sweet and lovely things and you look at how we love children's laughter but wow the playground can be a rough environment sure. <laughs> and um so a lot of us walk around with our lives as what we call victims and victims are at effect. Yeah. And ultimately what we advocate is that people move as often as they can back to cause. Because if I say I created that belief, I accepted that belief. And even people who have been through the most horrific and tragic things, if they can move themselves even in the smallest way back to cause, in whatever way, I'm not saying we need to take responsibility for what happened. Oh, I was walking down the road, someone shot me in the leg, it's all my fault. <laughs> not at all. But what I am saying is that people who go back to cause end up doing more marvelous and wonderful things. And if you look on YouTube and you watch all these very amazing videos of incredible human beings who've overcome things, at some point, they chose to put themselves back to cause, mm. to do something about it, to not just dwell in the, the, the that yeah. 
sort of uh, negativity of the victimhood and blame everybody and feel angry and bitter yeah but rather say okay i do feel terrible and i don't want this and it's not fair what happened however there's a purpose and a reason and i'm going to own it and i'm going to do something about it and i'm going to overcome and the stories the stories when humans do these sort of things the story when people do they are amazing they inspire everybody they bring tears to your eyes and so going back to cause is a very very important part of beliefs yeah and sometimes beliefs are confusing because they're tagged with a whole bunch of others and you're not quite sure which one is the original one which one is the key one that you know it's almost like it, if you imagine being in a video game with different levels but it's easy if you say, well if i could just work out the five beliefs well then i know exactly the whole meaning of my life but there are some beliefs that have 10 or 20 other ones attached to them that are, are in opposite and you're not quite sure and you're a bit confused about i mean i've definitely got one that's running around in my own life but at the moment is a little bit to do with purpose and using using my gifts and it's very interesting to see the beliefs inside of me sure one at the moment i can tell is um i'm quite a private person in some ways very open with people if people ask me a question i answer legitimately but i'm not someone who will naturally put myself out onto youtube onto social media or, you know sort of there's a part of me that's always just enjoyed being anonymous and being my own person to pick and choose when and how i engage authenticity is a very big belief for me right so one of my major problems with social media and all things on the web is that there's so much of fakery on there what is true yes and i really battle with things that are not true because i i i value it but there's then on the other side i sort of say well if i want to take my world further and become the world's greatest business consultant with my good friend hilton <laughs> from focus people we need to be doing that sort of thing and uh, so it's really? very interesting examining my own beliefs they are not always simple some beliefs are really simple and that's why you need psychologists coaches counselors yeah people who are able from time to time to sit down with you and check and help you understand your beliefs yes. it would be great for me uh, for myself to go and talk to people that i trust and examine a few beliefs that are are going on inside of me it's a good thing to do it's very sure. healthy i think it would be very liberating for me you say well why if you understand all this and you can just solve it yourself well, no just because you may understand things we don't live on an island don't live on your own yes uh, you need each other what i've found that this is a uh, this life and the education and practice that i have has helped me to do is get there quicker so if i go through phases of questioning or phases where i'm not quite sure what's going on i find help quicker that's good uh, because i know that i don't have all the answers our goal as focus people is not to have all the answers we will have some answers we will have some teaching and we will have a wise counsel but there are times when our goal is to ask the right questions yeah and 
to know when we're dealing with a belief. Hmm. And that's what's so, so important. And it unlocks your ability to move again. You see, what you want to do is you want to take people back to cause and create choice. Because people who are stuck in a belief have lost the ability to choose. Imagine I walk into that room and every time I see apples, they're not good for you. It means that, I, that I've lost the ability to choose. And there are people with all sorts of beliefs. Yeah. And some of them are religious. And some of them are, are about race. And some of them are, and you know, it can go both ways always and when you make that choice and you walk into a room and you've prejudged every single time yeah it's really limiting so you want to go back to cause and you want to create choice and it creates dynamic movement you can move when you're stuck in a belief set there's no room for learning anymore your cup is full hmm. that's rich tom and we we we're not victims of our conditioning. No matter how much we were trained in a certain way, we don't have to stay victims. Even if uh, we were put into a box, so to speak, we can break out of that in almost any area and try something new if we're prepared to own it. Like uh, I'm hearing you say, uh, and uh, it's, mm. it's powerful to know that we can cause, and Albert Bandura with his self-efficacy theory, he was talking a lot about uh, we are causative beings. We can cause change and be efficacious, make things happen. And I think when we give up that power, whether it's because the politics of the situation or the way that the relationships are structured in our corporate environment, it can make us feel that sense of learnt helplessness almost, where nothing we do matters because it's never going to change and once we conclude that it's never going to change and nothing I do matters, I don't feel empowered to actually bring what I've got to the workplace. So I think for the last couple of minutes that we've got, I'd love to focus us just on the workplace and how these beliefs play out. We've spoken quite a lot about the individual and how it can hold us back. And you mentioned the motivation factors versus the hygiene factors and of course if there are no toilets or uh, sorry um, bathrooms in in South Africa we would use the one word bathrooms in the American context forgive me if I'm using a harsh word where I don't need to but if there are no bathrooms obviously that demotivates people because you have an expectation that there should be some for you to use but that doesn't motivate you to know that there are bathrooms that you can use there's something beyond that that motivates us and so in this context, how have you seen beliefs work their, their way through in the day-to-day -day running of the businesses we're involved in, how they play out? Sure. There's a lot in that question. Um, so one thing that comes to mind, um, I'll answer your question in a few ways. One is in terms of those hygiene and motivation factors. If you put together a group of people and you do it all in a professional manner and everybody has a proper job description, all followed the labor laws, everybody knows what the project is and they pull together yeah. um, and there are toilets and the right things and um, a healthy environmental space. And so you've dealt with the health and safety side, you've dealt with the labor side, uh, the labor law side. You're 
you're meeting the um, quality standards of a good working environment. That is the base for success. In other words, that is very important so that that team has the right uh, fundamentals to be able to do their job without feeling frustrated from the start or without it being having a, a poor initial structure. The reality after that is that even with super clever, capable people in a room, there needs to be something that guides and holds that team together. And now that can be a strong leader. So you could have a leader. You could also have a lot of organization. Uh, for example, if it's a project team, clear Gantt charts with, with deadlines and timelines, frequent meetings. Sprints. However, yeah, yeah. And if we know that projects all have that triad of, of projects of cost quality time. And so at some point, one of the challenges of, of a project within a team, and we, I'm talking about in a project environment, but teams often work with kind of projects, even if they're quarterly or, or focal points. Yeah, programs of sorts, yeah. Programs of sorts. And when you look at it like that, um, it's it definitely requires a, a clear um, leadership, but also the question that comes to my mind is when times get tough because they always do get tough at some point. Sure. Things don't go up in a straight line. And then what happens to this clever team that's all working perfectly in these meetings? Well, for the first time, there's conflict. And for the first time, there's disagreement. And for the first time, there's going to be blame. Yeah. And so you don't always need a perfect culture up front, but the challenge is, is that over time, you need it more and more because there's more and more room for conflict and for obviously what we've been discussing, yeah. the setting in of beliefs yeah. about each other. And we conduct our behavior and adjust our behavior all around that. And so why do we talk about vulnerable cultures and why do we talk about trying to build positive beliefs? Because it means that every now and then you may need a download session where you say, Hey man, you're really irritating me with this kind of behavior. I don't understand your communication. But how do you do that without having a real strength of trust and rapport? Okay. If you're going to get honest with people, you can actually just create massive conflict and everybody says, fine, fine. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just stick to the rules. And I see that all the time. I've seen it in my own team of people, massive arguments and everything. Well, fine, fine. You do your bit. I do my bit. Stay out of each other's way. And I pulled them around the table and said, guys, really? You know, that's that that's an agreement for lesser people. Yeah. And I say that with, with respect. You guys are, are better than that. This is a so place good. where we grow people. And that's not the way to go, fine, fine. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing that other people well, do. We don't do yeah, that Yeah, I mean, that's, that's settling for tolerance, where we'll tolerate each other. But what we're yes. going for is understanding and respect and collaboration which then means that we've got to co-labor to be in the uh, sort of, what is that word, the yoke, the oxen pulling the plow together. And uh, mm -hmm. that's very different to just tolerating each other and uh, being in the same room and saying, yeah, you allowed a seat. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. So you need you need um, number one a clear path, a clear understanding of where we're going. You need clear roles, and then you need platforms for open communication along the way and building rapport yes. and trust. And the more you have that, the more able you are to be frank um, um, with respect and understanding. And if you if you think of, uh, again, I'm off the top of my head, they will often say that people walk into a room and they've judged you and summarized you within something like seven seconds or whatever the whatever the the, the time is less than a minute yeah. and um so we we judging and forming things all the time again it's part of our physiological survival mechanisms um the the challenge is really to say right i'm going to feed the beliefs that are helpful here and i'm going to not feed the ones that take me down paths that don't make me happy it's how i think it's how i feel i don't feel good with that one now i'm not saying that we need to like everybody the times when you need to not like people and need to not trust people and that is equally important one of the challenges you have is that you need if you're going to build a good team with healthy beliefs you're going to need a leader who is willing to at times hold everybody to account so we're not talking about a happy fuzzy always work environment because i don't genuinely believe in human life that that is always possible but we do advocate one that's able to have hard and honest discussions yeah. within the boundaries you're not going to be talking about someone's uh necessary innermost secrets or personal life but you're going to talk about what's relevant to the problem at hand the personalities at hand and so i remember i resolved one one dispute with my staff and identifying how similarly they were <laughs> as people and how they were were responding to the situation yep. even though they were feeling like they were in an argument and that was very helpful because i think they both took a step back and said oh okay well you know we can find a way and so today do i believe they're best friends no do they need to be no yes. do i believe that they can work positively and respectfully together and efficiently at times yes i do yes and that's ultimately what business um businesses need and and if you can generate environments with great friends and whatever well lucky you <laughs> um but um yeah. very few of those will exist in 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 life if we if we honest uh, what we aim for is productivity efficiency and contentment people are generally content and feel that they belong and that they are respected and that is an empowering belief absolutely and there's a lot to be said about energy and well-being and and being in a good physical place and an emotional place and spiritual place so to speak which enables you to bring that as well and uh, we've spoken quite a lot about confidence and strengths in previous sessions um and i think if we pull that in here as well if those things are in place that you know who you are you know that you have value and that you're bringing it then these discussions that we can have as teams take on a whole new form and uh, we can get into the expectations the boundaries 
the authority we need and the overlaps of that in terms of like the playing field that we're on to, to go back to your football or soccer metaphor. If the boundaries are clear, if we know where the white lines are, it's easy to know uh, when it's in or out, whose accountability it is to fix it. And, and we can play nicely together in the sand pit, so to speak. Now I'm mixing my metaphors, but on the field. <laughs> but uh, also with that, then it, it helps with our roles. And we can talk about um, mastering our roles and knowing which roles are important for us and which are important for others. And we can contextualize that so, so much better when we can have these discussions as a team and there's respect for each other and the contribution that we, we bring to that team as well. And uh, of course, listeners, uh, if you're needing help with these things, it would be our pleasure to be able to work these things through with you, with your team, to equip you with the skills to have robust dialogue and interactions in your team. And of course, in, in your personal space to own the beliefs and mindsets and uh, conditioning <laughs> to make the choices and be the causative agent of change that you can be at home, at work, and in other contexts as well. So, Tom, well, what are your thoughts as we bring this to a close? What do you want to leave our listeners with today? I think the simple message for me today would be own your beliefs and be curious about them. Some of them will be simple uh, to, you know, as you ponder your life, you'll say, I, I think I believe that. And some of them need you to talk through. They need a mirror. Sure. And, um, and some of them need to be discarded immediately. Mm. They just don't serve you anymore. Wow. And, you know, it reminds me of um, the uh, Who Moved My Cheese books in which... <laughs> You know, one of the little the little people just keeps carrying around the, the the bag of tools, effectively. You know, and it's hasn't found any reason to use them, and gets up to go looking down another passageway, and the tools are still being carried around. And little hope, um, a metaphor of hope. I love that. <laughs> says, "Are you still going to carry that around?" You know, well, and and he finally says, "Oh yeah, well." Maybe, I guess, I don't need to. But I mean, I didn't know what else to <laughs> yeah. do. That's our beliefs. They kind of climb onto our backs. And we just carry them around. And they happened way back when. Yeah. Maybe you had a relationship and and maybe uh, a guy or girl was not nice to you. And now men and women are, you know, not cool. Or I'll never be in love. Or I'm never good enough. Or just... Be curious about your beliefs and be kind to yourself about your beliefs. At the same time, be hard with yourself. Go back to cause, not effect. Yeah. Take ownership of that belief. You did the belief to yourself. The action or whatever happened to you, well, the world did that. And for that, I'm very sorry. And we are empathetic and we caring and and we know that you know life isn't easy. However, the belief you did to yourself, and if the belief is still with you today, then the healing of life is really to um, get rid of the beliefs you don't need and own the beliefs that are useful. And when you work in teams, acknowledge that the moment you go into social settings, beliefs are very, very important. Yes. They can protect you, but they can also get in the way. 
And uh, by examining them and being curious in those environments and looking at the way you communicate and your body language, which all express your beliefs. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, you will work better in teams when you understand more about your own beliefs and how they affect your conduct and your behavior. So this is a great topic and I really hope that that has been interesting for people out there. Tom, thank you. And I'll just land on that as well and say that uh, even this last week, Entrepreneur Magazine had articles about what kind of entrepreneur are you? And I fall into what they call an accidental entrepreneur. And that just doesn't give me much self-esteem and confidence, you know. I kind of landed in it where I needed to make some decisions when I was employed and go out on my own. And uh, I didn't necessarily choose to do that. And it can make me feel, oh, man, I'm lesser. But it can also make me make decisions and say, you know what, this is how I started. That doesn't mean I've got to stay there. I don't have to finish like I started. And uh, reluctant or right. accidental or otherwise, I'm on a, a wonderful path. I've got great people around me. I'm resourced in ways that I never believed possible to make better choices tomorrow than I did last week. And uh, these are the things that we have in each other, in the resources of our network. And uh, we're part of that network for each other and for you as listeners as well. So feel free to reach out to us. We look forward to hearing from you and hearing how you have made changes that have fundamentally changed your life because you made choices to be causative rather than to wait and just live in the effect and the blame and the other things that you could have chosen. Listeners, thank you so much for being with us. This is Focused People saying good night, good day and goodbye until next time.